grab your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel this morning, and we're going to be in chapter 1. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we have one for you in the seat in front of you, and we're going to be on page 129 in those Bibles, and uh, so we invite you to look along, read along with us uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, page 129 in those blue Bibles, and um, we're going to begin this morning in verse 10, and this is kind of a little bit longer section of Scripture than I normally read, but I wanted you to get the bulk of the story, and so uh, this is what we read. Uh, this is, by the way, speaking of Hannah, um, who was the mother of Samuel, and we're going to kind of read how that all happened. So uh, verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. She continued praying before the Lord and Eli, who was the priest. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor, small, nor, nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made of him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew, that was Hannah's husband, knew Hannah, her, his wife, and the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. And then, and then they slaughtered the bull... And they brought the child to Eli, and she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Um, well, moms... Happy Mother's Day. Congratulations, you made it. You survived. And we want to honor you this morning. And I read this passage of Scripture, and this thought 
overwhelms me, and it's this. What a blessing if we all had moms like Hannah. What a blessing, what a challenge it would be for all of the moms to be a mom like Hannah. See, the reason I say that is because Hannah clearly understood the privilege and the call of motherhood. She understood that very, very well. Moms receive their children as a blessing from the Lord. The Psalms tell us that. But godly moms, they recognize and they realize that their time with their children, those 18 or so years, are they're, they're just a temporary custodial assignment. It's, it's just something that, that is brief. Our goal as godly parents, and specifically to you today, moms, the goal is always to return your children back to the care of the Lord from whence you got the, those children. Amen? This is what's pictured when we have a baby dedication. Some of you have seen us do that here, or when we dedicate children to the Lord. We're publicly acknowledging that, that we're not simply as parents raising up some kids to carry on the family name, or or raising up kids to make us proud, or or hoping against hope that those kids will someday give us grandchildren to compensate for all the diapers and tantrums. On the contrary, what we're doing as parents and what we've been called to do is to make little disciples for Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about, folks. All those late nights, sleepless nights, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. This is what it's all about, making disciples for Jesus Christ. The parental role is first and foremost a pastoral role. You think I'm the only one? No, each one of you has a little church that you call your home where you have a little congregation of one, two, three, four kids, maybe more, wellers. It's a pastoral role, and it's a role that we have to approach soberly, and we have to intentionally consider the influence of our actions. No matter what else we want for our children, and we all have big dreams for our kids, we are called, we must instill them with a love and a reverence for Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And good news, this is not done best with lectures on morality. It's done best with examples of grace and humility. Pastor Dustin Benj, I, I love this guy. He's, he's one of my favorite guys to follow on, on, on Twitter. And he once tweeted, there is a 02 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. There's a 0.0086% chance that your child will become a famous celebrity. But there is a 100% certainty that your child will stand before Jesus. What are you teaching your children? Great word. It's this very thought that must be constantly before a Christian mom. The, the Christian mom has to look beyond the burdens and the tasks that today brings you. They have to even look past the hopes and the dreams that we have for our child's future. We have to keep the ultimate task in mind. Rick Johnson, a Christian author, said, A parent's main task is to receive the child as a charge from the Lord and then dedicate that child to God's way. No one in the Old Testament, I don't think, exemplifies this better than Hannah. We learn in the earlier verses of her story, what were the portion we didn't read, we learn that she was infertile. So many women in the Old Testament were. God, God seems to love 
to work through barren women in, in the Old Testament. And she was infertile. And she was heartbroken because of that situation. And on top of that, her husband Elkanah had another wife named Penaniah, and she had children. And she would mock Hannah for her infertility, and she would generally make her life miserable. And Hannah's distress even robbed Elkanah, who loved her very much, of peace in their marriage. So being a woman... Hannah, that is, who loved the God of Israel, she did what I hope that every single one of us as parents do very often and very fervently. You know what she did? She prayed. We read about it today. There is nothing better that you can do as a mom or a dad than to pray for your children. And Hannah was cool. She she made her petition known to God as the only one who could deliver her. And she she prayed these prayers with such intensity that Eli the priest at Shiloh thought she was drunk. He looked at her and you read it. She thought she was drunk. There's no way to calculate all that has been accomplished by the faith-filled prayers of a believing mom. There's no way to do it. How many healing? How many healings have been brought about to fevers in the middle of the night because of a prayer of a mom? How much protection from danger? How much protection from war? How much protection from the folly of countless children has been brought about by the prayers of a believing mom? But mostly, those prayers have resulted in the salvation of sons and daughters throughout the ages of time. I recently read, this week as I was preparing for this, in fact, testimony of a mother who prayed for 60 long years for the salvation of her son. I'm happy to report that she died with peace, knowing that her son that she prayed for for so long had been saved by the grace of God. Thank God for that praying mom. Mom, no matter what sacrifices you're called on to make, or whatever else you do to you, for your kids, or to your kids in some cases, <laughs> No matter what else you do, there's no greater, no more impactful gift than the gift of your prayers. Nothing that you can do. I hope you believe that. I hope you really believe that. And that you are just just prompted to invest more time, more intensity in praying for your children. Nothing can stop a kid who has a praying mom. But may God help the, the young man, the young woman who does not have a praying mom. So Hannah talks to God about her baby, her baby boy, even before he's born, even before he's conceived. She even makes a vow to the Lord. If he were to grant her the joy of motherhood, she will dedicate him to the Lord all the days of his life. He will literally grow up in the temple alongside Eli, serving with him. She makes the comment that no razor will touch his head. That may not have a lot of context for you. Most moms are always hitting up their boys to get a haircut, and she says they're not going to get a haircut. And this is part of what was called in the Old Testament Testament, the the Nazarite vow. Under the Old Covenant, this was a multifaceted vow of devotion that was prescribed for Old Testament saints. Generally, the vow was for a limited time, like a fast would be in today's uh, understanding. But Hannah implies that no razor will ever touch his head. And she means that this heightened devotion that he's going to have is going to last for his entire life. Now get this. And Hannah is committed before his birth even occurs to doing everything within her power to ensure that this is the case. 
that, that she's going to ensure that he is devoted to the Lord all the days of his life. I heard a man say this week that he had a great Christian mother, and as a result of it, he grew up with a drug problem. He was drugged to church every Sunday. He was drugged to Sunday school. He was drugged to youth group. He had a serious drug problem by the time he was 18 years old. I've read that there's a church also in Kansas. And near the the church, you can see this cement sidewalk with prints of two little baby feet with the toes pointing toward the church. And someone said that 60 years ago when that sidewalk was just being put in that a mom went to the church and she secured permission to stand her baby boy in that wet cement. And those tracks are still seen today. See, this mom symbolically wanted her little boy to start walking toward the truth as soon as possible, as soon as he could. What a great memorial that is. See, this is a word picture of what was in Hannah's heart. She wanted a child, yes, She wanted him to love, and she wanted to soothe this ache in her heart of not having a child. And she also wanted to be vindicated in the eyes of her rival. But that, all of that, was not her driving motivation. Her faith was. Her faith was her driving motivation. It wasn't just her that she wanted vindicated. She wanted the goodness of the Lord to be vindicated. And this is proven in the fact that the very best thing that she can imagine doing with this child, if God were to give her this child, was that that she would give it back to the Lord. She longed for this child, and, and her greatest desire with this child was to give it right back to the Lord. If God granted her her request, the gift that God gave her would become her offering back to Him. And let me tell you something. If you haven't figured it out yet, that is the ultimate joy of parenting to take what god has given us and give it right back to him we pray that our children would soon find the day that they would stumble upon the day by the grace and the election of god where they become fully servants of the most high god That's our ultimate joy. Like this mom in Kansas, we cement our kids into the truth of the gospel so that when they're grown, they belong fully to God. This is the the deepest meaning of Proverbs 22, 6 that we're mostly familiar with. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Cement them into the truth, mom. Dr. James Dobson, who for years has been given Christian parents' advice, he once said, according to the values which govern my life, My most important reason for living is to get the baton, the gospel, safely in the hands of my children. As Christians, when we set aside this day to honor our moms, this is what we're celebrating. How our moms helped us to believe, the way they pushed us toward the truth of of God that's found in the gospel, the way they kept us in church, the way they prayed for us, the way they discipled us in the truth. And obviously, that doesn't mean or it doesn't imply that we all had moms that did that. And it doesn't mean that any of our moms did it perfectly. But I would venture to guess that most of us who are serving the Lord had moms that did everything that they could to help us, to help us, and to point us to Jesus. Moms are great. Thank you, Paul. He had to say that because mom's sitting two seats away from him. For the rest of you... Moms are great. They're great. They're awesome. Well, 
20 years. Awesome. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Moms do so many great things. Think about moms. A lot of people have commented on this, but forget about what they do outside the home. Moms work in the home as teachers, as managers, as doctors, as coaches, as counselors, as comforters, as comedians. They do all kinds of stuff in the home. But the most precious thing, the most precious task that they do, as Eddie just testified, is that they contribute a foundation for our spiritual lives. Martin Luther, who obviously I admire huge, um, he captured the significance of mothers when he wrote this quote. The language is a little archaic, but I want you to hear this. This is so beautiful. He said, when Eve was brought to Adam, he became filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gave her the most sanctified, this is right out of Genesis chapter 2, he gave her the most sanctified, the most glorious of appellations, which means designations. This is what he called her. He called her Eva, and that is to say the mother of all. The Bible says that he called her Eve, which meant the mother of all living things. He called her Eva, the mother of all things. He did not call her, or he did not style her wife, but simply mother. The mother of all living creatures. And in this, I love this line, consists the glory and the most precious ornament of the woman. Isn't that beautiful? I could write like that. (laughs) So does my mom. So does my wife. Wish I could write like that. This important duty to form a spiritual foundation in children modeled by Hannah is carried out by Christian moms in at least three important ways. First, moms in our home, Christian moms in our home, serve as a prophet to their children. In the Bible, a prophet speaks of someone who gives a clear vision of the future. And think about what moms do. Moms love to talk about the future all the time. Think about it. When no one believes in you, mama does. See, mom will sit you down no matter how much of a rascal you are, and she will convince you that you are a potential Superman, Albert Einstein, Venus Williams, Disney princess. Moms are great at framing futures, aren't they? Great prophets. But when a mom speaks to the spiritual future of their children, they can be, of all that they can be in Christ, when a mom does that, that is truly powerful. The testimony of great saints throughout the ages testifies this. Great saints like John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, all of them testified to the influence that their moms had on them. Paul even said the same thing about his young protege, Timothy. This is really cool. When when, uh, Paul is pointing out what made Timothy who he is, listen to what he said. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. Paul is tracing back Timothy's spiritual heritage to the two women that came before him. How cool is that? This doesn't mean, of course, that all of our children are going to be great preachers or apostles, but rather that the mom can be an architect of a great and hopeful future for your children as genuine Faithful followers, courageous followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome power and responsibility you have, moms. Secondly, moms serve as a preacher to their children. Let me lay this out for you. Something Paul and I talk about a lot of times, Ginger and I talk about a lot of times. As Northridge Life Church, your child belongs to us 
for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, at the most, 90 minutes, Sunday morning, that we get to teach them the gospel and impart spiritual truth to them. If they're old enough to be in youth, Paul has them for another 90 minutes. So a a grand total for some kids of three hours a week that we have an influence over them and teaching them the gospel. But God has given you moms three things, the time, the obligation, and the privilege to teach them the Word of God in a much more real-world setting of your family and your home. None of us who professionally do this will ever have that kind of access to your children. So as you immerse yourself in the Bible, you can be the preacher. You can answer the questions that come up in their little lives about God and, and about life with absolute clarity. You can proclaim God's truth to the problems and the struggles that they'll in, inevitably face every single day. It doesn't mean that you have to put on an air of spirituality as some kind of religious expert or pretend that you have all the answers when you don't. When you're stumped, admit it. To say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But then take a second step. Say, let's you and I together find the answer to that question, that problem. And then grab your Bible and search. And if it's a really hard, tough issue, then call a mature Christian that you trust to help you. But admitting that you're still learning is a great way to model humility to your children. And there is nothing wrong with that. Because if you pass yourself off as an expert when you're not, let me tell you something, your kids are pretty darn smart and they figure it out. Has anybody in this room found that out? Anybody? I hated it when my kids all went to college. They found out what a blithering moron I actually was. And they remind me constantly of how, how, much, how little I actually do know. And speaking of modeling, thirdly, great moms portray Christ to their children. Not just with their hopes, not just with their dreams, not even with their words. They portray Christ. Uh, found a great story, another great story, about how this works. Davida Dalton tells this story. She says, it was a busy day in our Costa Mesa, California home. But then with ten children, that's right, ten children, and one on the way, every day was a bit hectic. On this particular day, however, I was having trouble doing even routine chores, and all because of one little boy. Can anybody in this room relate to that? Lynn, who was three years old at the time, was on my heels no matter where I went. Where, Whenever I stopped to do something and turned back around, I would trip over him. Several times I patiently suggested fun activities to keep him occupied. Wouldn't you like to play on the swing set, I asked again. But he simply smiled, an innocent smile, and said, Ah, that's all right, Mommy. I'd rather be in here with you. And then he continued to bounce happily along behind me. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, I began to lose my patience, and I insisted that he go outside and play with the other children. When I asked him why he was acting this way, he looked up at me with those sweet green eyes, and he said, Well, Mommy... In Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps, but I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. I gathered Lynn in my arms and held him close. Tears of love and humility spilled over from a prayer that grew in my heart, a prayer of thanks for the simple yet beautiful perspective of a three-year-old. Out of the mouths of infants and children, you have perfected praise. You could prophesy a 
preferred future to your child. You can preach the Bible to them with power and clarity. But the most important element of your life, your role as a mom, is portrayal. Like little Lynn, your child can't see Christ, but he or she can see you. Let your life scream out day and night, son, daughter, Jesus is like this. This is what Jesus is. See, because you don't have to like it, but they're watching you carefully anyway. They're watching to see what you trust in. They're watching to see what you believe in. They're they're watching to see what throws you for a loop and how you respond to success and to failure and how consistent your walk is with your talk. And I realize there are some of you here who are way more discouraged than encouraged by that fact. But let me try to put all of this in perspective for the moms who are sinking under the weight of past failures or even current responsibilities. This is how I'm going to put it in perspective with the Word of God. Lamentations 3.22 The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Good news, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. That's good news for moms this morning. It's good news for dads. It's good news for single people. It's good news for kids. That's good news. What I truly hope that you can begin to see this morning is that God is the power behind all of your legendary parenting success. And God is all the grace you need for your epic parenting fails. God is your source. If you want to parent in a way that pleases God, it's going to come as a source, uh, with God being the source of the grace you need to pull this off. After raising four kids, I've discovered three important things. Number one, that all of parenting is a consistent mix of success and failure. All of it. That any successes that I experience are directly attributable to the Lord's intervention, while all the failures are directly attributable to my interference. Kind of how it works. And it's never, this is the third and most important thing that I have learned after 20 some odd years of, of raising children that it's never too late to cry out to and to hope in the Lord's love for and power in and goodness towards my kids. Never too late. No matter what my weaknesses or sins are or have been, His love never ceases. His mercies never end. Great is His faithfulness to weak and faltering moms and dads like me. So this morning, moms, pay attention. And what your track record is, I want to say something. I want to say, great job. I want to say to you, moms, I want to say thanks. And I want to say no matter what your list of things you wish you'd done better are, I want to say we love you and we need you. And keep it up. Our success as husbands, as children, fathers, our success depends on you. But more importantly, I want you to know that the advance of the kingdom of God depends on you. God has placed you on the front lines of raising up and training the next generation of disciples, of kingdom changers for Jesus Christ. 
Your actions are infinitely, it's incomparable. They're infinitely more important than those of any celebrity or CEO that you follow on Twitter. You're building lives. Your words are more influential than any politician and yes, than any preacher. Life and death are within the power of your tongue, mom. If you've made mistakes, and I'm sure you have, I know I have, can't wait to say all this again on Father's Day. If you've made mistakes, I've got good news for you. Jesus is waiting for your repentance. All you've got to do, see, is humble yourself and apologize to your kids if necessary. But then get back in the game because your kids need you. They desperately need you. Whether they act like it or not, what do those little knuckleheads know anyway? If they won't talk to you, pray for them. They cannot stop you from doing that. And I've got a great promise for you. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let me say that again, moms, because I really want you to believe it. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You hit your knees, you call out those kids' names to Jesus, and I'm telling you, there is not all the power in hell that can stop what the Lord will do in your, children, in your kids' life. God is able to speak so your children will listen, and He is able to act where you cannot. In closing, what I want to do is I want to ask every single mom in here, I don't care if your kids have been gone for years, I want to ask you to stand. And I, Come on, don't make me ask twice, get up. And I want to read you an affirmation by an author named John Killinger that I stumbled upon. I thought it was so beautiful, just like that quote from Luther. I thought this was so beautiful, and I couldn't help but share it with you. I hope you feel the same way as I read it over you. This is not part of a sermon. This is something I want to say over you. I want you to hear how we feel, and more importantly, how the Lord feels about you. This is it. This is the affirmation. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God who was born of the promise to a virgin named Mary. I believe in the love Mary gave her son that caused her to follow him in his ministry and stand by his cross as he died. I believe in the love of all mothers, and it's important in the lives of the children they bear. It is stronger than steel. It is softer than down. It is more resilient than a green sapling on a hillside. It closes wounds, it melts disappointments, it enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God, a dark reflection of all that we can expect of Him, both in this life and in the next. And I believe that one of the most beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets this greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with tenderness of her touch and the tears of her joy. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Now we're going to do one other thing. If all the husbands and children, if you're not sitting with your mom, get by her right now. Everybody gather around your mom if, if, if they're here, if you're here and they're here. And I'd like for, and if, you're, if you don't have a mom here or if you're not a mom, I want you to find somebody that you can pray for. We're going to pray for these mamas today. So come on, everybody find somebody to pray with, pray for, and we're going to lift them up to the Lord. I'll wait. Everybody find somebody. And I'm going to ask you guys, don't let me do the heavy lifting here. I want you to pray. You know, obviously we don't want a cacophony of loud noise, but I want you to just, if you were just whispering in her ear, I want you to whisper some words of your own affirmation, your own, your own love for her. Especially, kids, if you're here, I would do that. And that would just be so healing for your mom. 
And just tell her how much that you really appreciate her and love her. If you're her husband, then just pray over her good blessing. And she needs that. And so let's do that today. Let's speak the word of the Lord over her. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy that never fails, God. Thank you for the love of the Lord that never ceases. God, that for your mercies that are new every single morning. They were new yesterday morning. They are new today. Father, I pray that you would just pour out grace and power to raise children on these moms. God, some of them have little babies. Some of them are pregnant. Some of them, Lord, have uh, children that have already left the home. But, Lord, I pray that even at whatever age they are, that they would have a renewed power to raise their children, to influence their children, to pray for their children, Lord, with, with all the strength and power of the Holy Spirit that is demanded by that most important role in society. Lord, I pray that those that are here with broken hearts, maybe because of past failures or, 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 God, just even sins that were committed in the raising of their children, Lord, that you would just supply enough grace to heal their hearts right now, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord God. Raise them up to know and to understand, Lord, that your grace covers a multitude of sins. And, Lord, your power enables us to go on and, and, and do what's required of us. And so, God, I pray that your new mercies and your, your never-ending love would just supply what's needed in the lives of all these moms today. Lord, I pray for those that have been wounded by moms, that they would have the grace, uh, God, to forgive and to, to, God, speak words of life over their moms, Lord. I thank you for that. Lord, I praise you for just the the moms that you've given us, the godly moms that you've given us at Northridge Life Church, Lord. I pray that they would be blessed today and that they would sense your power and your presence just, just enveloping them, Lord God, as they do this job that you've assigned to them, Lord God. God, I pray for the husbands and the fathers that they would support the women in their lives, Lord God, in a way that would just bring glory and honor to you. Father, I thank you for that. Lord, just... Just have your way in our homes, Lord God. God, let our homes all be little churches where you are glorified and you're lifted up, Lord. I thank you for that. You are a good God. We love you. We praise you. We give you praise and glory, the majesty that you are, you are worthy of. Thank you, Lord. Now, just take it. Don't rush. Just If you're praying for your mom or your wife, just keep praying. Just take a minute. We're not in any hurry. This is the best Mother's Day present you're going to give today. Pray for them. Let your heart overflow with blessings for that wonderful woman God has put in your life. Lift her up to the throne right now. There may be some of you in here that need to even ask forgiveness for some things that you know that were not right towards your mom. Go ahead. This is a safe place. Let's have some restoration of relationships here today. Maybe some moms that want to say uh, uh, just a, a prayer of or just a word of repentance and sorrow for something that didn't go right in your parenting. That's okay. And we're all, we all make mistakes. It, it's, God's mercy is new every morning. So just, just don't, don't feel like you have to, to be more than what you are. Just be honest about your mistakes and let us forgive you. Go ahead. Now, moms, I want you, you've been prayed for. I want you to pray. And I want you to just take the moment right now and looking at all the things that you are challenged by. And I want you to ask for the very present help of the Holy Spirit to come and 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 make you the kind of mom that God's called you to be. Man, what a gift. 
The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will walk with you. He will empower you. He will comfort you. He will, uh, he will advise you. He will do all of those things. And all you have to do is ask. So just right now, just ask God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, that God will not withhold the Holy Spirit from anyone who asks. And so just ask Him right now. If there's unfinished business in your children's spiritual life, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and strategies and, and just courage to face what needs to be faced and do what needs to be done. Just go ahead, ask Him. And some of you in the coming days are going to see miracles because of the prayers you're praying right now. You're going to see the, the, the spiritual lives of your children radically changed because of what you're praying right now. And we're going to give you an opportunity to give testimony of that when it happens. Go ahead. Ask big. Don't ask small right now. Ask God for big things. He's coming to rescue you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You give your mom or your wife a big hug and a kiss. Tell them how much you love them. Go ahead. Come on. Get, get wet and sloppy in here. Come on. Praise God. Can we give our moms a great big old hand this morning? All right, I'm going to ask our, our musicians to come and our communion. We'll do that at the end. That'd be great. Okay. I'm going to ask our communion uh, helpers to come. We're, we're still going to gather at the table of the Lord today. So if those of you who are helping us would come and, and to help us, that'd be great. Praise God. And what a great morning. What a great time to celebrate mom this morning. So weekly at Northridge Life Church, we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and um, this is something that Jesus did the night uh, that he was uh, betrayed by Judas Iscariot. The night before he went to the cross, three days before he rose from the grave, he gave us this beautiful picture of what he was going to do. And and one of the things that we've tried to do for the last year or so, we've always tried to preach toward this moment because what I mean is whatever I said, I believe is always applicable here. And today on a Mother's Day Sunday, it is no different. Because as I said before, moms, the, the power to do what God has called you to do is all because of the victory that Jesus won on the cross. It's, it, it is your only hope. It's the only source of power that you have. And so Jesus did this and he gave it to the church as a, as a constant reminder of his sacrifice, how his body was broken, his blood was spilled. But he also gave it to the church as a, as a constant access to his presence. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And we don't teach like the Catholic church that it literally becomes the actual physical body and blood of Jesus Christ, but what we do believe is that the presence of God is so spiritually connected to this ordinance that we must do it all the time, and we must remember the presence of the Lord that when we come, and, and so for some of you that, that are coming this morning, this is your opportunity to reconnect with the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm renewing my repentance, I'm coming and I'm committing to, to your sacrifice and your cross and I'm going to say, Lord, I am taking up my cross and I'm following you as you've called me to so that I can have the only real life that's available to me. And so we want you to do that. If you're not a believer, please, no one's going to judge you, but just stay put because this is, this is for believers. It wouldn't mean anything to you if you're not a believer. 
This is our, our connection with, with our, our faith that we believe that Christ died for us and that he rose again. And, and so we don't want you to do this. We, we've said this before, but we don't want you to do this any more than I would invite you to wear my wedding ring. And my wedding ring doesn't mean anything to you, but it does to me. And if you're not a believer, this doesn't mean anything to you. It's just a piece of bread and a little bit of juice. But, oh, man, if you have trusted in the Savior that this represents, it means everything. It means everything to you. Amen, church? Amen. But if I stop there, it wouldn't be fair because if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you if you analyze your life, if you look at it, you say, I can't honestly say that I have committed my way to the Lord. And I, I don't want to leave here today without inviting you to do that. Not so you can have a piece of bread, but so that you can feast on the bread of life, which is Jesus himself. So that you can be washed by his blood and have all of your sins forgiven. No matter what heinous thing that you think you've done that's too much for Jesus to forgive, all you have to do is cry out to him and he will forgive you today and make you a brand new man, a brand new woman, if you'll just cry out to him today. So can I invite you to do that? I'm not going to give you some kind of religious calisthenic to follow me in. I'm just going to ask you right there where you're sitting to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says that we, if we repent, if we, if we look at the honest nature of our life and, and call sin, sin, and, and say, Lord, I am turning from my sin today and I'm putting all of my trust in you. And if we believe that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead and that he is Lord, then we will be saved. And so I invite you to be saved this morning. Saved from sin, saved from a meaningless life, saved from eternal condemnation and hell. I'm inviting you to be saved from all of it just by putting your trust in the Lord Jesus. And for those of you that have already done that, I want to invite you to the table of the Lord this morning to enjoy the presence of the Lord. And mom, especially you, come be reminded of the source of all your power and the source uh, or the meaning of all of your parenting. Your parenting is all about helping your kids to understand what we're doing here today. And so I invite you in Jesus' name to come to the table. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for our healing. Lord, we remind ourselves that you are the hope for all mankind. And God, we thank you that, that it wasn't just some religious ceremony that you gave us, but you gave us your own body. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, thanks for your broken body. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Just like you gave thanks, we give thanks for the broken bread of life. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, as we take this cup, we remember the goodness, the sweetness, the power, the great deliverance that was brought to us by your blood. Paul tells us, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, let there be no other testimony on our lips but that of the crucified, the resurrected, and the reigning Lord. And Lord, let, may it 
sound on our lips every single day until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.